Now, I got to confess, folks, that I'm amused at those people who are always putting money down. Two-thirds of the miracles that Christ performed had to do with, and the parables, had to do with our physical and our financial health. Uh, as you've heard me say, maybe, uh, money is not the most important thing in life, but it is reasonably close to oxygen. I mean, you know, when you need it, there just aren't that many substitutes for it. Welcome to The Ziggler Show, where we inspire your true performance. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. Today, we hear a heartfelt message from Zig Ziggler on faith, but it's not a sermon. He's really hitting on the, the reality of how faith impacts our literal lives, as you heard a bit right there in his intro. Well, from the message you're going to hear in just a second, I ask on Facebook where you're welcome to join our weekly discussion. Just friend me at Agent K Miller. Uh, But I ask this question, how has your faith in God or a higher calling tangibly benefited your physical, financial, or career slash business success? And that's a big question. And it did bring up some controversy, but also just some beautiful sharings as well. Uh, You know, some uh, right off the bat thought, hey, am I pushing some prosperity gospel, which you'll hear I didn't, but that's a real issue to deal with. Most of the folks shared events in their lives where their faith came into play and gave testimony to the blessings that they received. So Michelle Prince and I had a really open conversation, not giving answers here, but discussing the real issues that people shared around our faith and how it relates to our daily realities and outcomes. Well, before we hear Zig about three minutes, here are a couple of valuable resources for you. Okay, folks, here then you get three minutes of the icon himself, Zig Ziglar, talking about faith as it impacts our literal daily lives. Well, what is this thing called success? How does this tie in? How can we get it? I got to confess to you that if I made millions and millions and millions of dollars but destroyed my health, would I be successful? Not in my eyes, I would not. Now, I got to confess, folks, that I'm amused at those people who are always putting money down. Two-thirds of the miracles that Christ performed had to do with, and the parables, had to do with our physical and our financial health. Uh, As you've heard me say, maybe, money is not the most important thing in life, but it is reasonably close to oxygen. I mean, you know, when you need it, there just aren't that many substitutes for it. But had I made millions and destroyed my health, would I be successful? Uh Uh-uh. Suppose uh, I had gone to the very top in my profession. Suppose then one day one of my children had said to me, you know, Dad, it would have made such a difference in my life, been so important to me, if while you were motivating all of those other people, Had you had just a few minutes in the morning to send me off with a cheerful word and an encouraging word before I went to school, maybe, Dad, if you had done that, my life would not have turned out to be the disaster it has. Had that happened to me, would I have been successful? Absolutely not. Had I become the best in the whole world at what I do? And if as a result of that, had I devoted all of my time to that and destroyed the relationship with the most important person on earth to me, would I be successful? No way. 
And most of all, had I compromised my integrity? Had I done things that would have jeopardized me ever getting to know Christ? And it's done, you can't do that. He always has his door open to you. But suppose in my desire to please the secular world that I had neglected letting that elderly African-American lady into the home when I knew she was going to talk about faith all the way through. The price I would have paid would have been uh, enormous. You see, the truth is, ladies and gentlemen, for a long time I wanted worldly success. I had uh, for a long time said, you know, as soon as I have a little fun, as soon as I am successful, then I'm going to take this religion bit more seriously. I will commit my life to Christ. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I got news for you. When old Zeke is doing it on his own, he just wasn't doing it. There just is no question about it. It was only after I committed my life to Christ and started studying God's way of doing things that I found out that they are the most successful methods in the secular world. Well, there you go, folks. Classic Zig Ziglar. And again, from that clip, I asked on Facebook this question. How has your faith in God or a higher calling tangibly benefited your physical, financial, or career-slash-business success? Here then, Michelle Prince and I take you through, talk you through the comments that were given as a response to that question. Okay. Well, Michelle, as we, uh, I thought we'll just dive into this, this, uh, brought up a, a good amount of issues that we will try to do justice to and just have a discussion. We're obviously, as always, I think people have figured out and thank you for the, uh, speaking of, uh, iTunes reviews lately. And we had a couple recently that talked about, I like the questions where we just put them on Facebook and answer those or, you know, or maybe that's the point. It's not that we answer that. We discuss them because it's not that we have the answers, right, Michelle? That's absolutely true. <laughs> we try our best though, right? <clears throat> All different to... sides of this, of, of, of the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I do, I hope that it doesn't come off that we're here to give answers, but we are here to discuss it and try to find the relevance. And obviously with a platform of the, the Zig message and being true to that as well. So, well, Hey, we'll just dive in and we'll just take this organically as it comes. Karen says, when I married in 2006, we had three house payments and three teenagers. I still don't know how we managed to make it work with our income. We committed to tithing and it was scary, uh, but we knew that that was the right thing to do. We also knew that none of this was a surprise to God and that he promised to be faithful. We claimed his promises time and time again. In 2014, we were able to scream, we are debt free. Uh, and for those of you, if there's any that don't know Dave Ramsey, that is a, that is a Dave Ramsey cry of freedom there. We are debt free. Well, you know, obviously committing her, her house payments and the, just life to prayer and to tithing, uh, is a big deal here. And having that fruition is, uh, I mean, that's significant, um, it's absolutely significant. And, you know, tithing, it, it's, it's biblical, right? You know, it's, it's, we're taught that in the Bible to tithe. But, you know, it's not because you're going to get something out of it. It's being faithful to God that you have the faith that he is well aware of the situation. And, you know, I have so many, uh, I can totally relate to Karen, <laughs> you know, having teenagers myself. And we've been through all kinds of different financial seasons. And, but it goes back to that, that, that belief in the faithfulness. God being faithful, but then us being faithful with that which he's given us. 
Well, agreed. So, okay, interesting that you said that because uh, Dwayne here actually posted, that was his leadoff statement, is tithing is not biblical. And he went in and made a case, and I'm not going to go through that. And, you know, and I've heard a lot. I grew up in the church. I've, I've always always been there, heard a lot of sermons talked on about tithing, about is it biblical or is it required or not? Do we do 10% or not? Is it a yearly thing or not? And a lot of this, and I... I'm not going to debate it uh, here. And I don't know. I don't know exactly. I think it's hard to refute that we are called to give a portion, uh, whatever that may be. And I have gone through times of militantly being 10%. I could figure out what I made that year uh, and tell my, my accountant by what I tithe, by the little thing you get from the church at the end of the year, because we were militant on 10%. Now we are not. And I actually don't know. I think there's some months where we, if I don't end up at church, I may give nothing. And there's some months where we may give a lot or there's some months where we may help people in need to a significant degree and I don't feel required that I have to give the church an amount that time but I don't know again I'm not going to come off on my own perspective uh, there I I really like what you said that uh, Michelle at the point is being good stewards of being of showing gratitude and giving back at whatever level you believe is best for you. Right. And you know what, Dwayne, I'm glad he brought that up because maybe it doesn't specifically say tithing in the Bible. And I definitely am not going to be the scholar in this area. (laughs) But what I do know, and this is what I've learned and and believe this is why I say it to be biblical, is we are told to give your first fruits, though. I mean, we Mm -hmm. are told to give, you know, everything we have. It doesn't belong to us. We're just giving back to the, the provider who provided it to us in the first place. And so it's the way I look at tithing. And I agree. I don't know. Where where did 10% come from? I, I don't know if that's what we're supposed to do or not, but that's what's been, you know, what we've done for years and years and years and years in the church. But, but it's really the, I think what it is, it's just that faithfulness of giving what you don't necessarily have or what you believe that you have extra, you know, it's, it's that commitment that I'm willing to give you this because I trust that you will do something with this. Um, Well, no, I like that you said that too, because yeah, in thinking about that, we always think about tithing as a monetary thing. Uh, You know, one, we're talking about the healthy habit of having gratitude and sharing resources, but could that be money? Could it be time? We have a lot of people who give a significant amount of time. I know that folks who, who give so much to the church or to missions or just to needy people or to a friend, whatever it may be. Uh, Can we give of our wisdom? Can we give of other resources that we have all things to grapple with on that? But, you know, we're coming back to this question of has our faith, has it, impacted our life in a tangible way and some of those things. So obviously the thing that comes back and Dwayne also did this, not to give him so much attention here, but he also talked about the a promise of prosperity on any level is false teaching. I think that anybody around Christianity in any way has hit on that, the prosperity gospels, the prosperity of the books we have and the things that this is uh, the debate about, you know, is it just Santa Claus in the sky? Mm-hmm. And of course, most of the scriptures come back. Well, you know, here, here's James four. This is uh, the book of James uh, chapter four. Uh, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. 
I mean, there's a lot of doctrine and a lot of baggage wrapped up in that one. And I think that the prosperity side is say, Hey, yeah, I come, I tithe, I be a good person. I, you know, build up some points in heaven and God will just give me all the desires that I want. Obviously that is false teaching, but my goodness, anybody who's a follower of Zig Ziglar, you know, he talks so openly and so beautifully about doing unto God, uh, as, as God would have us serve and that there are are there rewards here? Did, did it benefit Zig Ziglar? And he would mm. say, Oh my gosh, absolutely. Did he do it for that purpose? No. Uh, well, yeah. to that point, Kevin, I mean, his most famous quote, you know, anyone who knows the Bible knows it is biblically based. It's written for a secular world, but you can mm. have everything in life you want. If you just help enough other people get what they want, it's not for the purpose of manipulation. It's not for the sand in the sky, like you said. It's but it's knowing that when you when you seek to serve, when you seek to give what you you know value most, and for most of us, that's money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or time, or whatever that is. When you seek to give out of that that sacrifice, then and to help another person without the intention of getting something in return, you always do get something in return, even if it's just that gratification or that satisfaction or that, you know, that joyful feeling you get when you help someone. I I guess that's how I kind of look at this, because I agree with majority of the people and what they're writing. There is no guarantee just because you tithe does not mean you are going to be prosperous. Mm -hmm. Um, However, I think that when you're willing, this is again, the Michelle Prince opinion, not to say it's true, but when you're willing to give something that you hold on to so dearly for the purpose of serving God and serving somebody else, I can't help but believe that something good will come of that. doesn't have to be monetary. I, I totally agree. And, and to that point, how could the wisdom of the Bible, how could loving and serving, and as Zig said, get, you know, helping enough other people get what they want, how could that not benefit you. And that's really what I was striving for here. And if I look at the good things in my life, they have come from me walking out the biblical principles of wisdom, of love, of serving, and you, you reap what you sow. And it's been the most beneficial thing to my life. Again, do I show up at church? Am I getting points for heaven? Do I do my devotions in the morning so that I can benefit, uh, financially? Of course, that's, that's not the point. Do I benefit from absolutely Uh, in the end though god knows your heart yes he knows your real motives there you go there you go to each his own on your your motives all right well let's just let's go on here we'll hit some more things mike just says i i just told this story yesterday i worked for a national home builder every year they would hold a national contest they would send the top eight managers and top eight salespeople to a resort for a vacation i held a weekly bible study at my home and each week my small group would always pray for me to win the contest i never believed that i could win i just showed up every day and performed at my best i was shocked when they announced that i came in tied for first place throughout my life if i try to force something to happen it always ends up sideways the things that come easy have always been the ones that are sent from God. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. I'm so that... happy for Mike. Um, I believe in the power of prayer. That is mm. to me, you know, what is prayer? Prayer is just releasing our faith that God is going to move. And and we we are told in the Bible that, you know, we can move mountains if we have that belief and and that that, you know, we 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 pray and and give all that to God. But um again, going back to it, it can you guarantee that's going to happen for you? No. But mm-hmm. it did for Mike, and I, I'm so happy for him for that. 
Well, and, and, you know, you get into the debates there and we can get into, again, all kinds of theology and doctrine here. Did, uh, did the prayer cause God to move and intervene, intervene and help Mike win that thing? Or did the prayer, was it a healthy habit for Mike's psyche and it helped him behave and believe differently and that created an outcome? We can just say yes to all the above and much more that we haven't even spoken of. Yes. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But well, that's... and it's, you know, and again, I, I think we'll say, I'll say it 10 times, you know, definitely not a theologian here, but one thing I know mm-hmm. for sure is that when we stand on the promises and we're told to do that, you know, the Bible is true. It's true. Mm-hmm. So if, and there are promises that God has given to his faithful, you know, followers. So if we stand on those promises and believe and have faith and have prayer, and then ultimately allow him to do his will, um, you know, I, I see God as a good father. He's he's not going to give you a snake if you ask for you know. <laughs> I was we, ju- I was just going to pull that. Sh- I was going to ask, what is that scripture? It's the one. It? Uh, if he asks for bread, we give will him give a you, stone. Yeah, uh, exactly, or something else like that. So no, just right. like for our own kids. Now, just because our kids ask for everything under the sun, doesn't mean we give it to him either. But we, Absolutely. if we can, and it's good for them, and it's part of their plan, and you know, then of course we give it to our kids. Why wouldn't God give it to us? Yeah. Does he give good gifts? I, I do invariably come back to, you know, Jesus first miracle, turning the water into wine, because I feel like this is the most unnecessary thing. Mm-hmm. Can there be something, uh, less than either? There's people dying out on the streets and he does his first miracle to give a nice thing, uh, mm-hmm. a, a arguably unnecessary thing again, you know, beyond my own theology, but the way <laughs> <And we'll>, mine. <laughs> okay, we'll go on. Mark says, uh, great topics, Kevin, my trust in God has benefited me in every area of life. I could spend the rest of my days building the list and still would be lacking for the proper time to thank him. I'd say success equals fulfillment. Fulfillment equals supply. Supply equals meeting all our needs. Just like he promised he has done for me over and over and over again, every success with and through God's grace. You know, that his, his spirit in speaking there, Marks, reminds me of someone you know well, Bob Bodine, mm. uh, who wrote the book Two Chairs. I talked with Bob on the phone three or four weeks ago, and uh, that guy is so on fire with serving God oh, yes. and loving people, and he is almost beside himself with the successes and the achievements and, and the blessings that he feels like he has gotten from the Lord, not because of what he has done. Again, we're back to the spirit of it, not because of that, but just the loving father in heaven who he wants to serve uh, more and more to know more and more each day. And he's blown away also by what, uh, what he sees as the blessings in his life. And, and whether that's financial or whether it's the rich relationships in his life, the, the love that he shares with other people. Uh, the joys and fulfillments. I mean, that is so much of, of Christ's calling to us in the Bible is seek me for your peace, your joy, your fulfillment. Um, you know, let me take that because it was spoken by somebody on there who was refuting a little bit there on Facebook where we posted this about the people who serve God and are martyred and are persecuted. And, and I, I believe he was holding that up somewhat errantly, uh, but in saying, Hey, just because you serve the Lord doesn't uh, serve, serve the, uh, Jesus doesn't mean that, uh, yeah, it's all, all roses for you. There are people who are persecuted. Absolutely. I I don't know how that takes away from the blessings as well. And for some of those people, those persecutions may be the blessings. That's 
That's a, yeah, I you know, and I, I see where people there's different points of view mm-hmm. on everything, right? And who's to say we're right, they're right, you know. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, you know, God never promised we would have a good life. He never promised we would be without trouble. I mean, that's that. It's just in that relationship where you have that peace that surpasses all understanding. I just believe that the the in and on this topic that the reason we want to give, whether it be money, time, you know, whatever it is. It's because we have been given so much. And the closer you, the more you seek God and the more you hear God, the more you cannot help but just share what you hear and give to others, right? And and the more you want to share of your wealth and share of all of those things. But that, does that mean that we're not going to have, you know, troubles, that we're not going to have death in our family and, you know, in life and family? I mean, I, I can't think of anyone I know that is a strong believer that has not gone through something, yep. you know, so it does, there's no guarantee but here's the thing: there's no guarantee whether you're a believer or not a believer. So you might as well have the joy and the peace and the you know, the happiness and the love that comes by having that relationship, than than the opposite. That's my view for me. Absolutely, that's ex- and you are we're, we're completely tracking because along with that, with with serving uh, the Lord, having wisdom, making great decisions. What if I make a billion dollars in my business? Great, I can still have a loved one come down with cancer and pass away. I can still have my house burn down. I can have a hundred things. Now, will those things overcome me? Now that is you. Now you want to get into self interest. I do have that. Do I want to recover better when those things happen? Do I want to withstand? those with peace that passes uh, beyond understanding? Do I want to be able to rebuild from those things and overcome and, and, and be successful? Yes. And that is, again, we're now we're talking wisdom and uh, the pursuit of God for what, for my character. And then my, therefore my, well, you go back to, again, to Zig and what Tom Ziegler is so fond of saying, we have to be before we can do, we have to do before we can have. Is there anyone that doesn't want to have or self-interested people. Um, I don't think we can get away from that. I have to add just one thing because yeah, this please. literally just happened this weekend as an, uh, an example of even strong believers, even those that have joy and, and purpose and all that can have tragedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, just this weekend, my son went to get a uh, an EKG or an ECG or EKG because he's in sports and there's this yeah. foundation called the Brandon Goyne Foundation and they are going to all the school districts just urging them to have these their student athletes do an EKG because it could prevent loss strong Christian family. They lost their son playing baseball. He was on the uh, college baseball team and he literally dropped dead of a heart condition Mm. that was undiagnosed. And so obviously tragedy beyond tragedy. I can't even fathom what this family went through, but instead of the mourning and, and turning on God, they turned it all around and they literally created this foundation, which is a ministry. And every single weekend they go all around doing this for kids. And, and literally, uh, the, the woman or the mother was the one who checked in my son, Tyler, got them all up on the, 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 the table for the doctor to look at him. And they're doing this because of the tragedy. And so sometimes we don't understand the plan, but sometimes that tragedy is what either brings us closer to God or brings others to God because of their example. Uh, that's that, I, absolutely. I, and I love the focus on the tragedy. I think that's an, again, it's kind of along the prosperity mentality. That's the other thing that is one of the age old quandaries with faith is how do bad things happen to good people? Um, mm-hmm. and they, uh, they do, you, you know, just looking on this. And as you talk there, I mean, you know, we're talking about faith 
And it was, we're talking about how has that tangibly helped your life? I mean, ultimately when we look in the Bible, I've always been really uh, profoundly impacted by, you know, we want the miracles. We look and we see the burning bush. We see the parting of the sea. And yet for every occurrence of that in the Bible, I wish somebody would do the stats on that. If anybody out there knows, let me know <laughs> to say for every one of those, how many times are we called to seek wisdom, seek counsel? Uh, you know, the Proverbs is, is full of that. It is healthy habits. Coming back to the Ziegler message, it's healthy, healthy habits. Uh, Tom Ziegler's fastest way of success is replace a bad habit with a good habit. And in faith, in studying the Bible, if you are not a Christian, do not believe in Christ and yet merely go study Proverbs mm. and follow that, you will receive fruit. There's no way not to because it's healthy habits. It's wise decisions. It is serving and loving other people. And we have plenty of non-believers who, have some of the most beautiful, loving, serving lives and the fruits from those that are, you reap what you sow, that we can take this out of just a Christ following concept here and call it healthy habits. And there are a lot of people who debate and discuss that and say, you know what? I don't know that if I believe the Bible, I don't know if I believe that Jesus is the only way thing, but I have absolutely uh, experienced walking out the, the, the wisdom in the Bible and receiving great things here tangibly on earth because of it. Um, it's another, it's another way to bring it out of just the Jesus, uh, you know, being Santa in the sky and we're just looking for a payoff. And thanks to these sponsors for bringing us today's show. All right. Well, here's Sean says, how timely, Kevin, I just completed one of the best sales quarters in my career. Before it began, I roughly had 55% of my goal covered. I knew it would take faith and effort to achieve my quota. God kept blessing me with an opportunity with opportunities to follow through on. Uh, the end result was that I ended up selling more business last quarter than any previous one in my career and finished at 136% of my goal. I prayed and worked and left the results up to God. It worked out pretty good. Um, <laughs> I just, I really, I really like that because he talked, you know, his, his statement there was God kept blessing me with opportunities. Mm. Didn't say God gave me a big wrapped gift under the Christmas present. I'll keep coming back to my Santa analogy. He gave me opportunities for me to fall, for him to follow through on, for him to do the work on. I, I like that perspective of mm. it's not a, a God giving opportunities. How much, oh gosh, how many times have you, uh, like me, Michelle prayed for God, just open, open doors where you want them open. Let me see the ones that are closed. Show me the opportunity. Show me where I'm supposed to walk forward. Well, and here's another thought possibly is it that those opportunities are, are presenting themselves <clears throat> because we're finally accepting or we're being expectant of them, meaning we're putting our faith in God and we believe that mm. this is going to yes. come about. And possibly were those opportunities there before when we didn't have that perspective to look for them? You know, I loved what he sh shared about the sales because I can relate most of my career. I've been in sales. In fact, when I first started working for Zig, I was in mm -hmm. sales. So I know praying for quota and I know praying for, uh -huh. you know, some years it works and sometimes it doesn't. I'll just give my own personal example of a situation Please. when I know, uh, I, you know, I know from my own life that it was all God. And so long story short, in 2008-ish or so, I felt very, very strongly that God was telling me to write a book. I know some people think that's crazy, but I felt it in my spirit. And I was not obedient for a long time because I thought, hmm. 
who am I to write a book? What do I have to say? I'm no Zig Ziglar, you know, but finally I I decided to be obedient. If I felt like God was telling me to do it, I was going to do it. And I did. And I wrote my book and I published it and I got it out there. And even though I didn't even make a huge splash with it initially and share it with the world, I still was obedient. And I was still working a sales job. I was in software sales, very difficult position. And that year after... And there was a couple other examples I'm not going to share that of other ways I was being obedient. That was by far the best year I'd ever had in sales in my life. Wow. And doors were flying open for me that I didn't even know existed. And I, for me personally, believe it's because I finally took the step of faith and obediency and just did what I thought, you know, God was telling me to do. And I'm not saying it's, it's you do this, you get that. But I just believe that when you are obedient and you have positive expectations that, you know, the God you serve is a loving God and he wants to give you what, you know, you want that's within his will, that, that maybe that's when our eyes open to those opportunities that may or may not have been there before. You know, I love that, Michelle, just how do our expectations change? Again, we, we have so much just flat out irrefutable wisdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, biblically and how much of it is that how much of it is God intervene, intervening stepping in and giving us a miracle you know I, I don't know I do want to pull out though what you said about uh, that I just appreciated maybe it's a, a, a little bit of a rabbit trail but I love that that here you are as the person who has written so many successful books and helped so many other people do that and yet initially your question was who am I and I want people to hear that because that's something that I realized years ago that uh, there's often people, well, we have the arrogant, I'll put the arrogant people on one side who just think they're all that in a bag of chips and they think they can do anything. And so maybe they go, right, we'll, we'll use the book writing analogy here. Then on the other side, what, and this is what really got me as I saw some people who I did not give enough credit to be able to do something uh, like that. And they went out and did it. And I thought, you know, they're just too ignorant to know any better than they think they can't. Uh, (laughs) Good for them. And yet they went and did something profound. And yet here in the middle is the bit, you know, maybe the the big group of folks who are self-aware and they're intelligent people. And what I saw is, man, they are, they, and I'll put myself in there. We're the first to discount ourselves because we can poke holes in it and to think, who am I? And I want people to hear that because I think of all these amazing people we have here on the Ziegler show, when you hear their stories, and I've really been lately trying to pull out more and more of that side in the interviews that they discounted themselves. They struggled with self-doubt. They struggle with their self-image and they still do today, a lot of them. And yet they just went out and did something. Because like you, Michelle, they felt that they, they felt that they needed to, they had a message. They felt like people, I need to help this, this segment of people. And they, they just went forward anyways. And I want people to hear that if you're discounting yourself, you are in brilliant company. Oh my gosh. Yes. And you know what? I mean, God wants us to see us the way we, he sees us. Right. But that is so difficult. You know, it's interesting, Kevin. So that was 10 years ago that I had all Mm. that junk going through my head. And since then I have seen people's lives change when they finally just realize, you know what? I do have something to say and I am coming from a good place and I do have a heart to help people. Those are the people that should write books (laughs) in my Mm -hmm. opinion. But you know what yes. really impacted me just a couple of weeks ago? I went and saw, have you seen the movie, the, the new Paul movie, The Apostle no. Paul? Okay. Oh. Well, it's, it's a great movie. It's pretty intense. But there was one line in it that just 
probably because I do book writing, it, hit, it really hit me. But Luke was going into Paul's uh, prison cell to, you know, write down the stories and kind of, he's like, I'm going to come back every day and I'm going to interview you and I'm going to write down what you say. And Paul, and I'm paraphrasing, but Paul said something along the lines of, who cares about what an old man has to say? Who cares about my stories? And that just hit me so hard because I thought that is why I help people write books. Because if Paul, who mm -hmm. impacted more people and wrote you know, so much of the Bible, questioned why, if he had anything to say, imagine if he kept his mouth shut. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Right? Of course, I, I'm thinking the same thing about Moses. You know, yes. when he says, oh, come on, God, I'm not really a good speaker. You know, it's not my... <laughs> Gig and God says, okay, I'll give you some help, but just, you're going to do it. You know, and that's a, that is great. That is great. Well, we got just a couple. Well, you know what? Here's one, Tony. Uh, and I appreciate him. He says, honestly, it hasn't to, to the question. How has his faith impacted? He says, honestly, it hasn't. Um, I appreciate the honesty because mm -hmm. Tony, for you to say that there's got to be a sea of other people out there listening who are struggling with the same thing of wondering, uh, how has this benefited my life? And I don't have an answer to that. I will tell you something that I told my kids. It was actually my family last last week. I think it was a week ago this past Sunday. Uh, we had family church. Didn't go to church. We sat out in the back deck and talked through some. And uh, it came up. Actually, it was one of my little ones. My uh, my little six-year-old, uh, he said um, at one point, just was talking about daddy getting up to do devotions and and that guy, they were talking about that. And I said, you know, guys, so you know that I get up and I am you know, seeking God every morning. I'm seeking to do better. And you also know my faults. So kind of tongue in cheek, but I said, you know, imagine how much worse I'd be if it wasn't for that. So doing that, does that make, make me perfect? Absolutely not. But uh, how much worse would I be? I say that to you in response to Tony's to questioning, where is he at? What does he have to be grateful for? What can he be thankful for? If he's not where he wants to be, would he be worse off without his faith? I don't know that that'd be a discussion, but it's maybe a place for those who don't feel like your faith has benefited you tangibly. Mm -hmm. uh, are you sure? Are you sure? It may be a, go ahead. And it could be it's just yeah. the, the timing too. And and yeah. I think everybody, I know I've, I've felt there's been seasons in my life where you wonder what's happening. And, and that's kind of how I look at it is, is it that season where you're really just waiting, waiting on God, listening? Mm. Um, just this morning, I'm not suggesting this is the answer here at all, especially yeah, to yeah. Tony, because, but I will tell you just something I read just this morning in my devotion time. And it was, it was along the lines of, if you're not hearing from God, because you know, that's what he wants you to do is to hear from him so that you can then go out and share that with others. But if you're not hearing from God, it could be because of un, uh, of sin that maybe you haven't asked forgiveness on. And sometimes mm -hmm. there's that. And again, I'm not suggesting this is the case mm -hmm. here, but I'm just sharing what I read today. And it was, but it was an eye opener for me. It's like, well, wow, that's unresolved sin. Is there something that maybe I have not asked for forgiveness on? Could it possibly be what's keeping me from, from really truly connecting and hearing from God? And, um, I don't know, but I, I thought that was interesting and it's all just part of the seasons that we're in with, with him throughout our well, life. I, I, I think that's significant. Uh, Michelle, I mean, there you, you talk about sin. I know that'll make some people, 
uh, bristle. He, you know, I can use my own testimony. There was a time in my life about 20 years ago. Uh, really, I mean, I, I was serving as much as I could. My heart was in a beautiful place as far as my intent and idealism to serve people, to, to evangelize with them, to use uh, some success I was having. It was actually in the athletic. I, w- I was a pro cyclist and used to use some success there to, as a platform to reach people. And there's some amazing things happening. And yet in my personal life and specifically financially, uh, they were not. And I had times of saying, Hey guy, there's no way that you're going to, you know, you're, you're going to let this stuff go to pot with, you know, my heart, God did know my heart. However, I was holding on to some self image things. I was holding on to really some bad theology because what I was not doing was seeking wisdom, especially mm-hmm. financially. I was not making good financial decisions. I was making sure everybody was paid, but, but us, uh, and, uh, that didn't bode well for my wife and my <laughs> kids at that time. And I was just doing some things wrong. And it, it's one of the things that really brought me around to, there's a lot of wisdom in the Bible that we are called to seek. We are called to seek counsel. Another thing I was not doing, I was very, very isolated. I was not only seeking uh, other people. I didn't want to hear what anybody else had to say. I wanted to do what I want to do. I was holding on. So when you mentioned the word sin, with a beautiful heart. I mean, I know my heart, God knew my heart, but I was holding on to how I wanted it to happen, how I saw it to do, uh, to it best to be done. And that was a sin in that sense amongst my, my incredible heart. I was mm-hmm. holding on and there was a sin in that. And, uh, I think God was just wishing I would con him. And as you said, a minute, a minute ago that I would listen and I wasn't. Mm. And he was working on you at that time. And I couldn't agree more on the wisdom. You know, I, I grew up, we all have our different, you know, ways of growing up and what we learn and, and some is right. And some is not, not right, but you know, or we just don't know, but finding wise counsel is huge, huge. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have a pastor now that I, I feel is I could go to, but earlier in my, my, you know, my faith, I didn't feel like I had somebody to go to, but once you do find somebody a pastor or a friend or somebody, it's like they can just make things clear that, that may have been money before. Absolutely. So great advice. Well, one more here that's interesting. Jennifer says, uh, when I took a new job, I was given the choice of a guaranteed salary, a salary larger than I've ever earned or straight commissions with the possibility to make more or less than salary. I really prayed about it and knew that God had opened up this opportunity for me, uh, to bless me. So I stepped out on faith and went straight commission and spectacularly failed. Uh, which then led me to a new job, making an even higher salary and much better work-life balance. The moment I let him take control was the moment he really showed me his best. Well, you know, going back to my, my other story, you know, I so, or my story a minute ago, so often have seen, and even I look back now, uh, visions, uh, callings that were of God. And I look back now and they were, and yet I went about it and under my own control, uh, in the way again, that I saw it. And it's really taken a 180 for me through some other experiences to say when that vision, that calling comes up to believe it, to trust mm-hmm. it, but to say, however I see it happen, I probably have no idea. I don't know how it's going to pan out. And that comes out of my vernacular a lot now. It's going, okay, here's what it feels like God's calling us to, 
but now we got to figure out how he wants it to happen because my history shows that there's a 95, 99% chance it's probably not how I see it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Been there, been there so many times there right now. And it's, it's funny. It's even if something starts and you're so sure it's a calling from God, like for me, my book for sure. But then sometimes we, we want to get in the way and make decisions that, we think are going to take it where it's going to make it even better. And ultimately, you know, God doesn't always, all the decisions that are, I've made just, I'll just say, I've made some very bad decisions that I thought were part of the plan, but it's because I decided to take over for God. <laughs> Not yes, smart. I, Not smart absolutely. at all. <laughs> and, and I will, um, I struggle with patience and I, when it comes down to it, the admission is I don't want to wait and hear. Uh, I, I mean, my flesh does just does not want to, I want to do and have right now. And I, um, I have the scars to prove that. And it's, I'm striving every day, uh, to be different. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a, it's a daily battle for me. Not uh, alone. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Uh, well, obviously we're not uh, great submissions again, folks, just, I, I'm so blessed by this. It's, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm grateful for the iTunes re reviews about these shows because I love them. Uh, it too. is, yeah, it's just, how can it, it's beautiful to take the content, the experiences of other people. It expands anything we could possibly come up with ourselves, even though we're pretty smart. Okay. Oh, well, Michelle. of course, of course. Okay. Well, <laughs> but you know, I love it too, but though, because this is yeah. what, this was Zig's heart too. He yes. never, ever, ever, ever gave the air or acted as if he was the only one with the answer. He listened mm -hmm. way more than he talked and he talked a lot and pretty fast, but <laughs> he <laughs> yeah. sought to understand more than being understood. And, and yeah. I feel like that's what these shows are. We want to understand whatever others are saying. And, um, I just love the, the, the comments that people give and just our, I think our listeners are the best in the world. I do too. I take this stuff home to my family. It comes out in my morning devotions and uh, influences my life. So folks, thank you so much. And uh, Michelle, uh, same with you as well. You influence me greatly through these shows. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Kevin. Well, friends, a heady subject for sure, but I hope Zig's message and our discussion helped give you some clarity and confidence in your faith and how it relates to your daily life. Well, folks, if you got value from the show, please let us know and leave a review in iTunes. Many of you have lately, and it helps bump up our rankings, which helps people find us. Uh, well, email us if you do that at thanks at ZigglerShow.com and tell us your iTunes username that you used. We'll send you a copy of Zig Ziglar and Tom Ziglar's book, Born to Win, a physical hard copy, just to say thank you. Well, before I tell you what's coming up next and our next show, here's a great resource for you. Well, coming up next in show 569, we go behind the scenes with Eben Pagan as we follow the seven spokes on the Ziegler Wheel of Life. We interviewed him in show 567, if you didn't catch that main interview. But in this one, we find out about Eben's personal habits for success. It was interesting talking on some of the spiritual, actually, we talked about the spiritual spoke and Eben stating that the more and more he's with influential people in today's day and age, he, the talk seems to go towards that there's a bigger thing happening. There's a bigger power at play. And his quote was, something is going on. Really interesting. You can tune into the show to hear more. Well, till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.